Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy New Year and welcome back to the Manchester United weekly podcast. It's not such a happy new year for Manchester United, beginning with a 1-0 home defeat to Wolves, a dispiriting home defeat, I think it's fair to say. It's been some time since we recorded the nature of English football's postponements, Manchester United's training ground closures and all of that has meant things have been delayed slightly over the festive period, but it's given us time to look at Ralph Ragnick's new United team and learn what it's all about. And the answer is, well... We don't really know yet, um, but welcome back to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast to Series 7, Episode 19 with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. And Jack, we'll begin by talking about the Wolves game and a little bit about the Burnley game, which was better, even if it's not uh, sustainable, as it, as it very quickly proved. And we'll talk a little bit about the general long-term poor form, but then more about what Ragnick does from here. It's been a tricky first month for him with those training ground closures and postponed matches and all of that. But it hasn't been uh, quite what he and we would have hoped for so far. But to begin with, Happy New Year to you. Um, Merry Christmas. It's, it's been a while. How was how have the last few weeks been for you, aside from football? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Happy New Year. It's good to be back. Happy New Year to everyone, all the listeners. It's been yeah, an interesting and sort of unsettled, unsettled, I guess, Christmas and New Year, I think, for a lot of people around the world, given the state of the pandemic and everything. Uh, but it's good to be back talking about United and outside the football, things are, things are going well. Good. Yeah. Hope everyone uh, had a decent Christmas and made the most of it of what we could, even if it was a, a little quieter um, than usual. Let's talk about Wolves. For the first hour of the game at Old Trafford, we didn't win a single quarter kick and we recorded just one shot on target. It was a... It was a game where there was still some hope right up until Jean Moutinho uh, scored the only goal of the game to win it for Wolves uh, from from the edge of the box. But that hope was only there because we know the individual quality we have up front and we've seen many times this season, whether it's under Ranić or under Solskjaer or under Carrick, that that can sometimes rescue us in games against Villarreal and Atalanta in the Champions League, against young boys in the Champions League, with Greenwood against Arsenal in the Premier League, against uh, many oppositions. Um, but that hope really shouldn't have been there because we were we were really poor. We were poor in possession. We could barely create anything. We couldn't finish. The final balls were not just a yard off, but some of them were 10 yards off. Short passes were were disappointing. We were losing second balls. We were losing first balls. We weren't winning in the air. There was no pace, no intensity to our game at all. Um, 
and there's stuff that could be said about the way we set up. But as a general point, this it felt just like a United team who who hardly cared. There was there was a distinct lack of anything really from the from the team, whether it be quality, whether it be fight, whether it be yeah, you know, care and effort for for the game. I'm always wary of, you know, blaming any result, any game on a team, you know, lacking effort or, you know, fight or desire to win a game. Because I just think it's, a, it's an easy thing that we can throw around without sort of actually delving into why, yeah. you know, some of the deeper issues that are involved in, in why a team might not play well on any, on any given day. But it did feel like that watching the game. It really did. You know, you could see Wolves were completely on it from the first minute. I mean, how many times, Harry, have we on on this podcast said that really very often with this current United team and for the last couple of seasons, you can basically tell what sort of performance United are going to put in from the first five minutes of a game. And I don't think we had a single touch of the ball in the first two minutes. You know, Wolves had kickoff and they kept the ball and basically pinned us back in our own half from the minute one. And that actually just set the tone for the entire game. There were a couple of moments where you thought maybe the tide was shifting, maybe it might be our day. You know, Wolves missing a lot of chances. De Gea made a couple of good saves. And you thought maybe this would be a bit of a repeat of Wolves at home last season, which I think was also around this time of year, wasn't it? If I'm not mistaken, I think it might have been the start of January. And Rashford obviously got that late deflected winner. But to be honest, we deserved nothing from the game. It was a, a really, really poor performance and doubly frustrating after it came off the back of the most promising performance under Ranić so far against Burnley just a few days before. Yeah, the Burnley game wasn't kind of a, that's the answer that we, we've seen it now, United are set, but it was a good performance. We scored a few goals and we won the game and we made light work of Burnley who can often be tricky work, especially at Old Trafford. They've been our bogey team there for years. So yeah, to not build on that was... And we controlled the game. Yeah. Not only not only won the game, we controlled it as well, which was nice to see. Yeah. Um, but I think that was... That's what's so disappointing about the games against Wolves and Newcastle is Ralph Rennick came in and instantly spoke about the the first thing we want to do is keep clean sheets and control games. And against Crystal Palace, we saw that to an extent, although I think think the last time we recorded was after the uh, Palace game, in which we'd seen great signs of of what we wanted to see in terms of uh, intense bursts of pressing and, and, and good vertical passes. But we had said, look, if Palace had played better, we probably still would have lost that game and it wasn't perfect. It was just a couple of signs. But I think what's disappointing is we're not seeing those signs at all now. The, the, well, it, the, I mean, the word enigma comes to my mind thinking about the performance against Wolves and it's not really because we've seen it lots of times, but it, it is baffling that, that this United team still seems to lack a complete sense of identity. And you're right in what you said earlier that it, it, it can be lazy to just blame effort, but you're also right in saying we can tell from this United team early on and I think this United team have had have been given enough rope uh, over the last couple of years and on multiple occasions they've just shown that they go in spells and sometimes they have these great spells where they have a fantastic mentality and they fight back and and that uh, 29 away game unbeaten run shows exactly that and the many comebacks under Solskjaer show that but too often you just see them coast under various managers and how like how many times did we see De Gea or Varane or Jones look up for options and just see nothing ahead of them so Sancho had it a lot as well when he was on the on the shoulder of the defence he'd, he'd get the ball and then look up there wouldn't be anyone there how many times did we lose second balls or we'd win the ball, ball back and then concede possession immediately 
Um, and, and the one positive was Phil Jones, but I mean, first game in over 700 days, fantastic, some great defensive interception. But why did he stick out? Yes, some good pieces of defending, but he stood out because of his desire and effort and the fact he didn't leave second balls to the opposition that he that he charged in to win balls that he wasn't actually favourite for. And yes, that's kind of the same thing that's got him injured a lot in the past and it's not always sensible, but he stood out because he showed real effort. And I think that's that's damning for the rest of the team. And I think Rannick and, and he, Luke Shaw kind of admitted it after as well. And that's, that's really concerning. Yeah, on the one hand, you want to say, you know... It, in some ways, it's nice to see players and a coach be sort of honest and not try and make any excuses yeah. or cover up a, a performance. But it is, it's worrying that so quickly after a game, they're able to diagnose that problem. You think if you, if you knew it immediately after the game, why didn't you realise it after 20 minutes or at half time yeah. and actually change it? Because we came out in the second half and we, we maybe were slightly better in the second half, but we never had any measure of control over the game. We, we, we were stopping Wolves creating quite so many chances. But we didn't gain any measure of control. We didn't improve in, in our chance creation. We had that one sort of 30-second spell after Fernandez came on where he hit the bar yeah. when he should have scored. And then 30 seconds later, we got a free kick, which Ronaldo put in the net and was offside. And at that point, when Fernandez came on, you felt like the tide might be turning, but very quickly sort of fell back into this subdued passenger-like uh, sort of role in the game that United took on. Yeah. And you're right, it, is, it says a lot about this performance that Phil Jones, who hasn't played over for two years, you know, was able to come in and was by far and away, I think, United's best player. It's, I think what's, and we'll get more into sort of the bigger picture and sort of what this first month or six weeks or so of Ranić's tenure has, has shown us. It's just, I think, confusing to see how far away we've gone not only from the performance level, but from the principles that were shown so clearly in that first game against Palace. Yeah. And there's been obviously a lot of disruption, especially we, we talked in the last time we recorded that United were quite lucky and that even though we had a hectic December and January schedule, we do have, then we had a nine day break between, or was supposed to between the Brighton and Newcastle yeah. games, which we didn't end up having because the Carrington was closed because of COVID. So, you know, there's obviously mitigating circumstances here, but a team with the players like United have, there's no excuse for performances like that. Yeah, it's not good enough yet. Not from the players and not from the new coaching staff. And and that's not to say that I'm putting the blame on them. It's that they will not be happy with how little has changed. We're seeing a team show the same weaknesses that they did under the previous manager and, and little else, to be honest, despite changes in system, a bit of change in personnel. Um, we're still kind of waiting for Bruno Fernandes to come on the pitch to spark the team into life. The, just wrapping up on the Wolves game, it, it was, I mean, look, we, we went with the kind of Rangnick 4-2-2-2 again. And then he, he came out and said after, well, Wolves had control of the midfield because they had five or six players in there. And it was like, well, why did we only play two in there? And and we didn't even play two ball winners. We played Matic and McTominay. Uh, perhaps Fred could have had an influence. There has just been some some confusing decisions, but this is, kind of, I mean, this is long-term, isn't it? We've, we, we have failed to win 15 of our past 29 Premier League home games. It's a shocking record. And I was saying this to my brother in the ground in the concourse before, uh, or maybe at half time that I'd, I'd worn the same jumper all season as, as a kind of superstitious thing, changed jumper for the Burnley game. 
and we'd won. So I thought, oh, well, I, I better keep this on. And it's, it's immediately lost luck. But I'm then recalling games this season at home and the only wins against as Leeds, Newcastle, Atalanta, Villarreal, Arsenal, Palace and Burnley. But we've seen us lose to West Ham, lose to Villa, draw with Everton, being completely humbled by Liverpool and City. We've drawn with young boys and we've lost to Wolves as well. It's just, watching United at home is is such a, it, it just varies from week to week. It's, it's the, the club's home form has been in this weird malaise for at least two years now. And it, it there aren't really... The aunt, we we can't really give an answer or a reason for that. It's just, you just don't know. Yeah, I have no idea to how to describe any of the reasons behind this poor United form because, like you said, this isn't just a bad patch. This has been going on for a couple of years now under two different managers with, you know, a few very varied sets of players. And uh, the baffling thing about United, I think under Solskjaer and now under Ranić so far, it's just that it's the repetition of the same mistakes over and over again, I think makes yeah. you so frustrated as a fan. It's not like this United team sort of lurch from different types of mistakes week to week. It's all basically the same every week. It's we don't have control over the game. We look shaky in midfield when we don't have the ball, unless Fred and McTominay have one of their sort of outstanding performances that come once every so often. We then don't. So we, we seem to have also lost our ability to counterattack the way that we did when Solskjaer yeah. first came in, and so we're sort of left as this team that can't really do much of anything. And there are just games where we have no control at all, and it, it's it's basically just can we survive and get manage to you know pull off one moment of quality. And unfortunately, this United team doesn't isn't good enough defensively to hold on like that. I mean, it, the biggest shock of the day for me reading as Wolves was that we managed to get to half time without conceding because after the first 10 minutes when we were, I think Wolves had already had three or four uh, shots by then, you know, it, to me, it just looked, seemed inevitable that we were going to be one nil down inside the first half an hour. And it seeing these types of games over and over again, especially at home, it is really, really concerning. And that, you know, this isn't, this isn't the type of atmosphere at Old Trafford at the moment that we've seen in the past under Van Gaal and Mourinho and right at the end under Solskjaer where playing at home can almost feel more pressurised for United because there is, there's so much tension in the ground. And if things don't start going well, the fans are not necessarily on your back, but you can yeah. feel the tension in the ground. That hasn't been the case at all in the last six weeks or so. That tension has gone. There was this new hope, That's... this sort of renewed sense of purpose going forward and, and the, the performances haven't changed. Even even during the, the last couple of months of Solskjaer, that's what's so frustrating as someone standing in the Stratford end is you're thinking every game, no matter what's come before, and even in the second half of games against Liverpool and City, the atmosphere was still, there was still a bit, uh, kind of a bit of resilience there and defiance. And every game, whatever the result has been before, you still, there's still a brilliant reception for United walking out. There's still a, great reception for anything good they do on the pitch. There's still, when things don't come off, when chances and, and passes go astray, there's still a, applause at, at, for the effort. And you think this is not an atmosphere in which, as you say, there's there's kind of suffocating pressure. This is a supportive atmosphere where the, the old Trafford crowd is just waiting to celebrate good things. They're not waiting to, to moan and groan at bad things. And yet still in that atmosphere, the team can't play properly. And I do think you can go as extreme as you like on this. You can go to Gary Neville's kind of the, the quote that got picked up massively, I think after the Newcastle game of the, the whiny 
whiny boy's image. Um, but there, there is an, an element of that where you just look at this United team and, and, and the body language is just off from players that it used to be so reliable with. Ronaldo is always going to be a player who kind of throws up his hands a lot, complains a lot, but it, him against Wolves was probably tried harder than, than a lot of the other players on the pitch where at the end he was trying to begin a press and, and people just weren't coming up alongside him. He was making the runs constantly. But there are players in that team, and I'm not sure we need to call them out individually because there's quite a lot of them, but who just look so off it. They just look like they're not fussed. And, and they also look like they're just, like we haven't seen a smile for months. And these are players who, whether they're doing something good or bad, there's just, there's no sense of that they're enjoying their football. I thought McTominay said something interesting after the Burnley game where it was, it was something along the lines of, it, it's nice to kind of be able to enjoy it again because sometimes you get bogged down into the day-to-day pressure. And, and, uh, or he's at least hinting at that. And it's, it's true, you can get bogged down into the day-to-day pressure of playing for United. But ultimately, you when you come out onto the pitch at Old Trafford, you have to show a bit of, you have to show in your body language a bit of that that you care. And you have to show that you're enjoying it when things go well and that you're, that you're determined to make up for it when things aren't. Throwing your hands up and kind of slowly jogging back, it just, it sends a message to the opposition that the chance is there for the taking. And what I find interesting is that even I think in the kind of social media football world, when you say stuff like that and, and, and ex-players often say it when they're on punditry teams where they say, oh, well, they just, they weren't showing the right attitude today. And people say, well, football's like, it, it's more about the tactics and the coaching and, and it, it just isn't. It's Ralph Rannick will come over from Germany as one of the great or kind of a, a great tactical mind from there. And even he will say after, the body language isn't good enough. That's been one of his key messages in the first five weeks at United. The body language and the attitude has to change. It's it, it's a balance between tactics, coaching and, and attitude and mentality. And this United team just aren't showing the right one at the moment. Yeah, and it we're not showing any of the right attitude that you'd want to see. And again, what's concerning is that it hasn't really changed since we've changed the manager you know, given yeah. that it hasn't been a very long time, of course, and there's always that caveat when we, I think, talk about anything yet under Ralph Ranick. But I think that was a big part of it, that there was this assumption that Solskjaer leaving would sort of unlock something in these players, would, you know, sort of create a new spark, maybe a new manager who, you know, maybe has more of a reputation would come in and be able to squeeze more out of this group of players who clearly aren't, you know, left wanting for talent. And it it just hasn't happened, and I've and it's it's sort of tough to see why. To be honest, it it's difficult to understand how anyone could walk out of Old Trafford in front of seventy five thousand people. You know, as you said, getting amazing receptions every week. This isn't a fan base that's turned on this team by any stretch, and yet the attitude and the again, I, I don't just want to revert back to effort levels not being good enough, but that is what it seemed like, especially against Wolves and even against Newcastle as well. Whatever for whatever yeah. reason, it felt like the United team is almost freezing, and I don't know if that is because of an effort like we, thing or if it's we we can like we can focus on other stuff, but when when the effort levels aren't good enough, then they're not good enough, and and they haven't been, and you can say like like you've been, you were watching the games on TV, I was watching 
not the Newcastle game in person, but the Wolves game in person. If we're both watching one person live in the ground and one person live on TV with all the other angles and we're both coming to the same conclusion that the effort levels aren't enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, apart from I mean, yeah, what else in, do you say? Yeah. I, I think... And, and when the I players that, themselves are saying it, it's like, well, that's okay, yeah. great. As you said earlier, great honesty. Fine. We, we like to hear that. But why? Why was that not then sorted out at half time? Okay, maybe you have a bad first half, but why is that then not completely sorted at half time? I don't know. We, we can yeah, move I think, on to the, the I, tactical I think things the, now. The, on, the only thing I would say is that, at least from my own experiences of, of playing football, and obviously I've not played at any, anywhere near this sort of level, but in my experiences, you never, I don't remember ever, ha- ever playing a game, either going into a game or, or during one, th- thinking, yeah. Oh, I'm not going to run for this ball, or I'm not going to put as much effort in today. I think the way it the way it sort of it comes out in the in terms of having a sort of a lower effort is two things. I think one, you you either sort of freeze and you just right, maybe rather than not having the will to do something, you just don't sort of find a, a a way of translating what your mind knows that you should do into actually doing it. And I think that is a, that sort of a mental block of, of sort of not just being able to react quickly enough and whether it's freezing under pressure or whatever. The other one that I think is more concerning and I think is maybe more what's happening at, at United at the moment is is the there isn't, I don't think, at, this, at least I don't see in this United team an ingrained sense yeah. of working for each other. I, I see a, a, a team who want to work for themselves and will do things that they know help themselves, but... You don't. I don't watch this team in the same way that I watch like City or Liverpool or Chelsea. And when one player makes a mistake, you see immediately they've got players there to to cover yeah. and want to work to make up for the other player's mistake. And of course, that is partly down to systems and where the system sort of creates fullbacks for people. But it also just comes down to wanting to work for other people. And there were a couple of times in the first half against Wolves when there was one where Sancho was um, running through and had Ronaldo to his left and he didn't part play it and he, he decided yeah. to shoot instead Cavani did exactly the same thing when he had Greenwood to his right about 10-15 minutes later and it's, it's just little moments like that that make me think that in this United team there is still I don't want to say it's a lack of togetherness maybe because I don't think this is a squad where, there, where there's any amount of disharmony I just don't think that a coach has been able to tap into this squad's ability to work primarily for yeah. each other and sort of know that if you work for each other and I elevate think- the team everyone gets better. And I, and I think that is where yeah. the lack of effort yeah. actually is, right. is I think coming Solson in. managed it in spells and then very much didn't manage it in other spells. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're and right. And I think that's it, why we were a streaky team under Solskjaer. When things were going well, players wanted to work for everyone. But when it wasn't, it's easy to sort of throw your hands up and say, well, let someone else deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was just about to say that's part of the problem with this squad is that you can't rely, they're unreliable themselves, not just the the coaching staff or whatever. But then you do think back to, you've had great Chelsea teams in the past who have then just suddenly kind of thrown the hat in when they didn't like a certain manager or something. So I'm I'm prone to say this is a United only issue. But yeah, you're right. It, it definitely, it manifests itself mostly in the, in attack, I think. And it, it, it you could, yeah. the word that springs to mind is selfish. I don't think it is selfish. I think, as you say, it's not ingrained in them enough that that seek the best route towards goal, not just the kind of easiest, which is immediately shooting. Um, we've got too many shot-happy players and it 
it ends up in Sancho's miss or Greenwood's miss from 25 yards or Cavani's wayward shot from 25 yards or Ronaldo's wayward shot, etc., etc. Every game. Um, all right, let's use a question from one of our patrons, Corey Lennox, who says, uh, and we'll use this to move on to a bit of tactic stuff. He says, times are troubling. The pressing we were promised has all but disappeared since Palace. The midfield has been horrific, except for maybe the game against Burnley. Van der Beek still can't get a match. We're not scoring goals against bottom clubs when we have Ronaldo, Bruno, Cavani, Greenwood, Rashford and Sancho. This was supposed to be the easy part. What's gone wrong? Well, apart from effort, um, let's talk a bit about the tactics. As I said, I think the Wolves game was slightly weird. Very much understand that Ragnick's trying to fall upon the right system but given he was clearly concerned about Wolves' ability to dominate midfield to them just play two midfielders it is peculiar but he, he's he's certainly not he's not set on what he's using which is both a good and a bad thing um, he will he'll start to get a Claudio Ranieri reputation for being the tinker man if he's not careful um, but he is a a systems man who I think once he finds his system will kind of stick to that, but he needs to find the right one. The four-two-two-two, it's clearly got potential for this United team, but does it kind of does it play into more of our weaknesses than it does actually play into our strengths in reducing the impact of Bruno Fernandez in putting more reliance on our fullbacks who aren't necessarily always reliable in attack. Um. Yeah, it's not. It, it, since the Palace game, he's had a, a tough time. I, we do have to say it, it, it has certainly not been the ideal circumstances. As you mentioned earlier, there was meant to be that nine days on the training ground to work. Instead, the training ground was closed with the match postponements with Brentford and Brighton. Um, and he was appointed at a very difficult time when we had kind of four games within 11 days or something. Um, so he needs to find the pot, kind of find the right system. I don't think the four triple two is probably going to be it, do you? No, I don't think so. I th- I think it showed signs of working, but it reminds me the way we're playing at the at the moment reminds me a little bit of how we played at the beginning of the Van Hal era when Matter was always one of the first names on the on the team sheet for United. And what we'd end up with there is we'd often end up with someone out wide on the left. You know, we went through various different different names: Di Maria, Depay, you, you name it. And then we'd have Massa on the right and and we'd end up, we were playing a 4-2-3-1 then, but basically the point I'm trying to make is that we ended up really unbalanced because we'd have a winger on the left who wanted to stay really wide and we'd have Massa on the right who wanted to come really, really far in field. And so basically we'd end up with a team that's just really unbalanced. And I think at least with the the players that have generally been selected in the 4-2-2, that's kind of what we're seeing now because we have one player in Sancho who's been starting generally on the left who wants to stay wide and then on the other side, we've had either Fernandez or Greenwood mainly, who generally want to cut inside. And so we end up really, really unbalanced. It means we have no advanced midfielder, which is obviously where Fernandez, arguably our best player, is his that's his area that he operates in. I just don't think it's maximizing the strengths of many of our best players. I don't think Ronaldo enjoy, I don't think he he works too well playing with a strike partner, at least in, in the way it's been done so far. Him and Cavani, I think, are, are slightly too similar in the way that they want to play. I just, we don't, we don't have a good way of advancing yeah. the ball at the moment because with this system, you, you forego having that advanced midfielder and so it channels everything to the wings, which, you know, as a general way of playing football, there's not, absolutely nothing wrong with that. 
The problem is the wide players that we have are not very good at keeping the ball. You know, in even in Sancho and then Rashford, Greenwood, even Fernandez, none of them are particularly good at controlling games. They're all players that want to get the ball and take a man on, or in Fernandez's case, you know, get across in player, you know, a very difficult pass, whatever. And so we ended up just, I think, with real difficulty sustaining any attacks. Our fullbacks, especially when Wan-Bissaka plays, are also not the best at retaining possession. And even Darlow, who's better at it than Wan-Bissaka, is still not great. I just think it's not... It's it's exposing a lot of our weaknesses without maximising our strengths enough to offset yeah. the weaknesses that it's exposing. It's, I, I think maybe it's dawning on us, because uh, this is still imbalanced, isn't it? And I think... In terms of a long-term thing, what we might realise is that to, for United to become good is we're going to kind of have to drop or sell some of the players we really like and who are really good because there's just too many of them that are too similar. As you say, there's too many players who are just kind of, who, who don't care about keeping the ball. Not in a kind of, not in a way that they, I'm not saying they should, it's just their style. But you do also think that, um, yes, you you want to get the best out of your players and you want to let them kind of play with freedom and I support all of that. But also when you're trying to build a bit of form and implement a new system, there does have to be a, it, it feels like there needs to be kind of tight, more clear instructions on United's players in terms of game management. And that means in training sessions, but also that means kind of on-pitch leadership from the players around them in terms of if there's a time where we're really struggling to keep the ball, then don't go charging forward into a crowd of three players and try to get past them because we need to just kind of maintain a bit of possession, take the pressure off and and reassert some control on the game. I think that's partly, regardless of systems, partly what what these players are missing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right in that the on the on the weaknesses strength points. Um, and then it, the other thing that's been a bit a bit strange is just the the combinations that have been selected in those positions. I think what we're struggling with at the moment yeah. is that we have four attackers basically out of our sort of first choice six that are finishers in Rashford, Greenwood, Cavani, and Ronaldo. All of those players are finishers, regardless of which position on the pitch they are in. They want their primary role to be finishing attacks you know they are shooters they aren't creators and then we have Sancho and Fernandez who are our two sort of primary creators you'd obviously throw Van der Beek in that category as well but he hasn't really been given a look in so far and I think the problem is that so many times under Ranić so far I think there's only been one occasion when we've when we've played two finishers and two creators which is probably the balance you'd say we'd need a lot of the time we've ended up with three finishers on on the pitch and then either Sancho or Fernandez as our only creator and the problem is then, even as Fernandez as a creator, he's not, as we've said so many times before, he's not really a controlled creator. He's not someone dictating team moves. He's, you know, doing something himself to for the finishes. And sort of similar with Sancho as well. He's not really someone that is going to dictate team moves. He's more, give me the ball, I'll beat a man and get across him. And so it's it's just all been a little bit odd so far. I think some of the the team selections hasn't just hasn't complemented each other very well. And I think if you're playing this sort of system, especially if you have two strikers up front, you really are reliant on them being able to develop some sort of good combination play. And I I couldn't agree more with your point, Harry, that I think for, you know, and this is not for right now, this is for, you know, the summer and looking ahead, but 
I think for this United team to succeed, we probably are going to have to see at least one, if not two, of some forwards that you know that we really enjoy and like having at the club probably move on because I think especially when you look at Mason Greenwood, who really is the future of Man United. You know, he is a genuine superstar level talent. He, just uh, just on that very quickly, that the when he won the ball back and then that ball to Sancho early on, my God, oh, that brilliant. was spectacularly good. Yeah. And he, he does it a few times every game, even when, even though he hasn't been in the, his best form in the last month or so, every game there's a few a few touches, a few things that he does. It's it's the combination of the speed and the precision that he plays at that sometimes just takes yeah. your breath away. But the point I was going to make was just, he should be leading this United team within, I would say, the next two years. Yeah. And unfortunately, at the moment, he's not being given the chance to sort of grow into that role because he can't get a look in at striker. And so he's being forced to play in a sort of right midfield role that he's good at, but he's not definitely not his his most suited role. I think we are going to have to see if you take that six of Fernandez, Sancho, Rashford, Cavani, Ronaldo, Greenwood, I think at least two probably of those six are going to have to go to make this team balance and to make this team work. Yeah. It's it's partly that I, I think I've said this point quite a few times, but when Ronaldo signed, I expected he wouldn't play. I didn't think he'd be playing even kind of two in every three Premier League games. I thought his, it, he would be kind of our Champions League man to try and get us to Champions League with Varane and Sancho and whoever. And then we'd be kind of rotating with Cavani, Ronaldo, Greenwood, depending on the opposition in the Premier League. And I I just, I, I completely understand it for now because Ranić needs to make sure he's got Ronaldo's trust and leadership in the dressing room. But as a kind of a, a longer term point, we do need to see Greenwood playing in that central role. Sometimes when Ronaldo can be can be rested for um, for upcoming games, we do want to see Cavani there. Um, in terms of the system, it, it might be that we end up reverting to Ole's much critiqued four two three one, and obviously it's not the formation that that was was the problem there. It was how the team was playing. Um, it it will be interesting to see. It, perhaps it'll be a, a four three three. Perhaps it'll be something another kind of four triple two that we completely weren't expecting. Um, I, I think, yeah, he needs some time to to find the right thing. But there does there's other things apart from the system that which need great change. But I think the four triple two it, it's I think because of the profile of our attackers it it just doesn't work and and also because of the profile of our midfielders in as you mentioned earlier that aren't they're not good enough to be creating the chances themselves. Um, it's, yeah. I think Cavani and Ronaldo up front, just to go back to that one, Cavani's obviously c- can be a great at holding the ball up, but then against Wolves, he was, I think out of frustration, dropping a lot deeper, a lot more often than perhaps was necessary. But what I find weird about that, if if we're going to kind of try and play off Cavani with Ronaldo running in or play off Ronaldo with Cavani running in or play off both of them with Sancho and Greenwood running past them. What I find strange is we just don't seem to do it a lot. We do the long ball up from De Gea, which Ronaldo tries to win, sometimes does, sometimes doesn't. And then we normally lose the ball immediately after. But what we don't do is play those vertical passes, which we saw a lot against Crystal Palace, into the feet of Ronaldo or Cavani. Uh, or whoever it was in that game, and then just play it straight back. 
it doesn't have to, you don't have to play it to them and then they have to run. It's just playing into feet and back and, and keeping the tempo up of the game. And we just, we haven't seen that in the last few games, even against Burnley when, when it went well. Um, there, as I said, I think under Solskjaer and it didn't turn out to, to get fixed, but the positive is, there are two positives I'd like to point out as we begin to wrap up in a, in a good way, is that uh, number one, there are so many obvious things that there are at least, at least we can see where we're going wrong. That's a positive, could also be seen as negative. Um, and the other is that Ranić having these six months is going to, uh, and realising what we're saying in, in that we might have to get rid of a few great players to get this team balanced and, and great. It's him managing these players and coaching these players every day is obviously going to help him massively. Um, so while his six months might not be the great success we hope it to be, there's still plenty of time for it to become that. Even if it doesn't, this period is going to help him so much in terms of the long-term squad planning that he'll hopefully be doing alongside Fletcher and, and John Murta. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to get, and, and I think, you know, we've spoken quite specifically about the Wolves game, a little bit about sort of bigger picture and the, it's absolutely fair and right to say that this first six weeks or so haven't gone how we thought they would and how we hoped. But, I, you know, it's not all doom and gloom by any stretch of the imagination. Not, yeah. We've still seen in glimpses, you know, it's certainly not been enough, but we've seen that this United team is capable of playing the way that we think Ranić wants to set us up. You only have to go back to the Palace game to see that. And why that pressing has gone out of the our game, I don't know, but you know, it is, it's still there. You know, it's still possible for us to achieve that. That's one. Two is, again, like we've said a few times, it's not an excuse. It doesn't mean that these performances are acceptable, but there have been a lot of mitigating circumstances going on around this team. And three, we are still only, I think this is this was what, Ranjik's fifth game, sixth game, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, we're still quite early on in this whole Time. I think uh, one of our patrons, Harry, I'm not sure which one, mentioned that, you know, will we see a bump in performance against Aston Villa now that we have a full week with hopefully no COVID troubles impact and training? That's all we can hope for, I think, really, as, as we move forward. There are still things to take forward with us. You know, it's easy to forget as well that if we'd have, if we'd have put in a good performance against Wolves, we'd now be, instead of looking at this first yeah, month yeah. or so as, you know, nothing much has changed, we'd instead be looking at it as Ranić's had what so he came in against Palace so he's had uh, that would that would have been if we'd have beat Wolves that would have been a fourth win out of six with two draws in there you know moving up the table through to the um, the Champions League obviously finished top of the group you know yeah it wouldn't have been that bad it's the one game was bad it was bad and we shouldn't gloss over that but it's not all doom and gloom at least not yet definitely not the patron um, is Christopher Nusis who says admittedly glass half full over here um, and then gives another uh, dairy um, cliche of sometimes you have to crack a few eggs to make an omelette or idiom I should say rather than cliche uh, but yeah he says with the changes to the coaches staff the forced COVID break and the games in quick succession should we expect a substantial improvement after a full week of training ahead of the Villa game the, the problem uh, I hope so yeah the problem is that it's an FA Cup game against a good Villa team who are very much in form. So even if there were substantial improvements in training, it, it, it will still be a hard game. And, and because of the nature of the FA Cup, um, and replays have been scrapped, haven't they? 
I think so, yeah. Because of the Premier League postponements. So, yeah, so it, it makes it even more of a kind of a one-off occasion. So I think it's, I think maybe looking more at the, the league game against Villa away uh, a few days after that. Um, I do think we should mention the the point that Christopher says about changes to the coaching staff. In terms of talking about the effort and the mentality of the players, I think that's a massive thing uh, and, and understated for now is that obviously Michael Carrick uh, resigned straight after his last game as uh, interim interim or caretaker after the Arsenal game. Um, okay, that was, that was okay. But then Kieran McKenna went and became Ipswich manager and in those two, as well as Odgan and Solskjaer, you've lost the three main coaching staff of the last three years. And and as we said earlier, although it came in spells, those three coaches managed to get the best out of players who other managers hadn't. In Luke Shaw, in Rashford, in, in Greenwood, in Fred and McTominay and, and Maguire, loads of players. But most importantly, even if they didn't manage to get the best out of them, though, in those three coaches' brains, were how were were what makes this united squad tick individually that were information about their family lives about all of that of course there are loads of backroom staff who will also have bits of that information but a really important resource of knowledge has been lost in those three coaches and that's not to say that necessarily things would be better if one of those was still here and obviously it it was time for social to move on but um, for Ragnik, he has lost the, that that really key resource, um, and that will have had an impact on on making this start harder as well. Um, so it's an important point that Christopher raises there. Um, we should should we wrap up? Have we got anything else to talk? I think in the Patreon Q and A, we'll talk a bit about kind of specific players who have underperformed, um, such as uh, Rashford and Wambasaka and Maguire recently, and whether to what extent they have underperformed and to what extent and, and what they need to do to fix that. But is there anything else we need to raise before we wrap up? I guess up the only other thing I would in a month? say is just what we want to see in the next few games. I think for me, the biggest one is I want to see us return to the pressing game that we, you know, it's been talked about so yeah. much with Rangi. That's what his whole footballing ethos is built upon. And we saw it, you know, amazingly against Crystal Palace. We all know the stat that it was the most ball recoveries in the opposition half we've had since Ferguson retired. And it's it's just completely gone from the, from our game. And it and it wasn't just Wolves. It was been like that really actually ever since the Palace game against Norwich, against Young Boys, um, yeah. against Burnley even when we did play well. It's just gone from the game and it, it doesn't really make any sense. We're sort of back to this. We've, we've gone back to the sort of pre-Ranyik way of pressing where one player will decide almost randomly yeah, that they want yeah. to go and then maybe some others will follow him, maybe not, but it's not coordinated enough. So I think, honestly, for me, I want to see us getting back to that. We were said we wanted a manager who's going to come in, leave a very clear imprint on this team, give us an identity, give us a structure of how we want to want to play. That's what Ranyi has been brought in to do. That's what his reputation tells us he's going to do. And I want to see us make more strides towards yeah. that. We want to see evidence, as we did against Palace, of that kind of clear Ragnik identity. Because that's what you want with any new manager. Um, but yeah, we're only six games in. I think after 10 games, that's when you can begin to make some clearer um, conclusions. The 10th game on the Ranić will either be the FA Cup fourth round if we beat Villa or Burnley away in the Premier League. So 
I think we said 10 games when when he was appointed anyway, but yeah, let's let's see how the next few games go. It's definitely been a, a, a difficult first month and stumbling blocks are understandable. Um, but let's hope for an FA Cup win to boost the confidence. Um, it's a shame it's against a Premier League team and at home as a from a from a fan perspective because it's just not as exciting as kind of going to Chesterfield away or or someone like that but um it is the FA Cup and it, it can do wonders for confidence so let's see how that goes thank you very much for joining us listeners uh, after a few weeks off um hope you enjoyed the latest episode if you're interested in reading more of our thoughts throughout the week you can find Jack on Twitter at at UTD Tate T-A-I-T you can find me at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast is at at UTD weekly pod that's P-O-D at the end there thanks very much for listening have a great week goodbye Podcast Network.